you just raise your hands to God right now and just love him just a moment. Lord, it's in your presence is the fullness of joy. It's when you come by that things happen. That's a supernatural breaks forth into the very natural realms and we experience the almighty God. Lord, we thank you today that we're here in your presence and to know that there's nothing too hard for you. That you're the God of the impossibilities. You're God here to speak. Speak to hearts to reveal yourself. Hearts and lives. I pray, Lord, you'll minister today to every need, to every life. Lord, to every soul, no matter how far away they are from you. May today they hear your voice. Oh, God, may, Lord, the word go right down and and enlighten and illuminate that seed that is down on the inside and bring a quickening. Lord, no matter how many times it's passed over before, Lord, may it be today the quickening power reaches down into lives and hearts. Lord, you know every season, and with this is a springtime. It's a restoration time. It's a restoration hour where that you're revealing yourself. And I pray, God, today you'll just open up the windows of heaven, pour out the showers of blessings, and at the same time rain down the sunlight upon every heart and every life. May there be a renewing of the Holy Ghost today as we're here in your presence now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Isn't God good? Gives us so many blessings. We so appreciate him today and thank him for this opportunity to serve him. Amen. We um, have some things that are planned today, and one of them is that we... We um, have a baptismal service for Michael Baggett, amen, who's going to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Yesterday, we had a very fine couple get married. They're a wonderful example of the young people that this message produces, and we were able to be a part of that, and, and, um, and so it was just a wonderful time. And today, we're here in the presence of the Lord, and we just want God to speak to us. Now, we've got a lot of different guests that are here, and we're here for the wedding, other reasons. Um, maybe not for the wedding, but um, you were, you're just here today. And uh, we are just believing that this is not um, happenstance or coincidental, but we believe it's a predestinated moment for every one of us here in this building today. So we're asking God's blessings upon you in a very special way. I would like to turn to Matthew chapter 17, and we're going to read from the 14th verse. We've been reading the scripture, but again, I want to approach it another time this morning as we speak about the super anointing. Matthew chapter 17, verse 14, 
And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. Maybe today you're sitting here or you're standing here now. And there's someone right here in, in this building. And you're, or, or maybe somebody on your heart could be even, even out on the internet as we're speaking. Maybe you're in a very desperate strait. Maybe it's, maybe it's your son that you're saying, God, have mercy on. Or your daughter that you're calling out to God for. I want you to know the word of God is still is real. Still is current. It's present tense. Amen. And it's able to reach right out to every need, wherever it would be. Because this God is a God of mercy and grace. Amen. And when they had come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man. Wouldn't you like to be that certain man? Kneeling down to him saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. And for oft oft times he falleth into the fire and often to the water. And I have brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. And then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. And then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say to this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing. Are you with me in the scripture this morning? And nothing shall be impossible unto you. What an awesome word to speak about this morning. Then I would like to look to Mark chapter 11 and verse 22. And Jesus said these words as he answered them saying, have faith in God. I wonder today, can you believe in him? Is he believable? Is his word the truth? Then there's nothing too hard for him. And so we're not asking you to have faith in even yourself. We're not asking you to have faith in circumstances. We're just asking you to believe God. Have faith in God. Amen. How many can do that this morning? You can believe him. He's believable. Now, verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say to this mountain, now he puts it back on you. Amen. Because what you're having faith in is having faith in what he made you. Who you are as a son of God. Now, before in the scripture we read of, of people whose faith would come and go and faith who was not sufficient because they weren't yet born again. 
But we're talking now to some people this morning who are born again, whose faith doesn't come and go. But that faith is resident within you because he is in you. So he said, Verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I was speaking with Brother Paul Lovell yesterday at the wedding and in the reception we were just visiting together. And as we just shared with one another different things, he reminded me of something that I heard recently when I was in Israel and And uh, it was a saying that went forth as they would always, as as they would say for the ever Passover, um, they would end the Passover celebration with these words. And it was words that they would say, but yet it was a prayer. And it was always next year, Jerusalem. And every year the Jewish diaspora and end there ended their Passover dinner with this wistful prayer next year in Jerusalem and it expressed the deep longing for the promised Messiah's long awaited arrival which will finally bring a lasting peace and a restored worship to Jerusalem. It is a profound yearning that perhaps next year those who have been strangers and, and exiles on the earth for so long will finally see an end to their sojourning and return to their promised forever home. You can imagine these Jews, you know, who are long, who were longing for their homeland and displaced by the diaspora. And, and yet there was something in them that was always a call to go back and to receive of their inheritance and the promises of God. And I think of something Brother Branham said that was shared with me from the message, Who is Jesus? And he said, he said it was a prayer. He said, Father, if they'll just let you go home with them today and abide with them, and I'll meet them at a supper when the battle is all won and the great table is spread across the canopies of the sky, and we sit and look across. And I looked this morning at ministers sitting here, gray-headed, that was preaching when I was a boy, and I think they only cut the stumps out and blasted up the roads and made it smooth running for these gifts that they prophesied that would come. God bless them, bless them all, bless these fine women who have sacrificed for their husbands to preach. And the sacrifices that all Christians really make be with them, Father. We sit there that night and we look across the table to one another and maybe never see each other again from this morning until that time. But no doubt the tears too will streak down our cheeks for joy when I reach across the table and shake their hands. 
then we'll see him come out. We'll be so glad when we come down out of that tree, maybe out of a tree of a creed. He's, he's referring to Zacchaeus here. A denominational creed tree or something or just come out of our selfishness or out of our stupid ways or inconsiderates of him and come out of our blindness into the light. We'll be happy about it then when we see him walk out. Amen. Walk down along the table and take his precious hands and brush all the tears away from our eyes and say, don't cry, it's all over. Enter into the joys of the Lord that's been prepared for you since the foundation of the world until Father, then Father, abide with us, go home with us, and stay with us until that hour. We ask it in Jesus' name. What a wonderful prayer. But I think in it we can also pick up the longing in our prophet's prayer of next year, Jerusalem. Next, next year, I would like to say it's this year. Amen. That we'll be in our forever home. That there won't be any parting and there will be that great wedding, that great meeting in the air. And oh, what a wonderful day it's going to be when... We see him. All the toils of life, the trials that we've come through will just fade from our memories and just be wiped all away. I think of something Brother Branham said in the patriarch Abraham. He says, that's all we care to know. God promised it. How's it going to be? I can't tell you. But God said so. He'll send Jesus Christ the second time. He will come down in a physical form. He will claim his own. There will be a 1,000-year millennial reign upon this earth with him, with the redeemed. That's what he promised, and we're looking for that hour to approach. And we're closer now than we've ever been. What a day that will be. I was listening in the news this, this week as President Trump, I don't know how a Trump tweets, but he tweeted that he supports Israel as to owning the Golan Heights, also known as Bashan in the Bible. And Bashan was one of the sanctuary cities of Israel, a city of refuge, and it was a range of mountains that Israel rested away from Syria here in the, in the Six-Day War because they constantly rain shells down on the farmers and the fishermen from its lofty heights. And strategically, it is a mountain range that Israel must not give up. And I, I was there just um, about a year ago and um, a little over a year ago now and was there in, in this, um, um, you know, there looking there down upon the valley and standing there upon those mountain range. And as I did, my heart was moved as I realized the importance of Israel holding this territory, that they must not give it up. And, and that, you know, and I, and I, I prayed there as I just stood there with them, that there would be a resolve in their hearts. Never, never, never give up this position. Because it is part of their protection. It is, it is there that 
that they can keep the, the Syrians and the others from raining down fire upon them and constantly tormenting them. And this part of Israel um, was captured in recent days from the Syrians, but in ancient times it was taken from the Amorites. And there was, there was uh, Sihon, the king of the Amorites, and also Og, who was the king over 60 walled cities that would dot all of this um, area of the Golan Heights. King Og was a very large man. His bed was made of iron, which signifies he was very heavy because it wasn't made out of wood. You know, so he must have been of enormous size. He was, um, in, they say he was nine cubits long and four cubits wide. And for us to understand that, he was, you know, his bed was, this was his bed was 13.5 feet long and six feet wide. And so it kind of gives you the, an idea of the size of this giant that stood there and possessed these heights. And he must have been at least 11, 12 foot tall himself to have a bed that big or require a bed that big. And, and, and this um, interpretation is uh, supported by the fact that Og was one of the last of the Rephaites, which was of the lineage of the giants. And there he had opposed Israel from taking their possession. And God was showing to Israel by the defeat of these kings and by taking these heights that no weapon, no giant, no enemy, It's too large or too big or too formidable for a believer to defeat. Amen. Amen. That nothing can stand against her because, as he said, nothing shall be impossible with you. And he would tell this to ancient Israel in the past and said, I've given you this land. And he didn't explain how he was going to give it to them. He just said, I've given it to you, and that's enough. So every giant would have to come down. Every enemy would have to be defeated because God had said, I gave it to you. And I'll tell you, God has given us healing. God has given us salvation. God has given us a resurrection. God has given us a rapture. And no matter how impossible it seems, no matter how formidable it seems, God gave the promise and that's all that matters. God gave it and God will do it. He'll back his word every time. And so they took these mountains And again, in these ancient days, or these modern days, now they have taken it again. And now even even the the world is starting to recognize their rights to this part of their homeland. Now, I've read some scripture today. I've read from Mark 11, 22. I've read from Matthew chapter 17, verse 24 and down. I've read some scriptures that Brother Branham was contemplating on the day that the squirrels were created by the spoken word. And I'm telling you, you know, when I think about those squirrels being created, let me just pause for a moment. You know, it was 
He was asked, what is it that you need? Well, I mean, you know, in all reality, I mean, he wasn't really that hungry. He wasn't on starvation. This was just some, a little part of, uh, of the pleasures of life that he was out there resting from the, from the meetings. And yet God would even, 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 even provide for the minute details. Are you with me? That, that, and show us that no situation is too small for God to think insignificant. But that God cares about every situation that you have in your life. No matter how others may think it, oh, that's too small for God to notice. But it wasn't too small for God to notice. But God was right there to provide even the desires of his heart. And I'm trying to tell you something this morning. He's no respecter of person. He's here to provide for that least, slightest desire that you have from God. Even if he has to create it to bring it into being. Now, when we think of it, he said, our our God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. So there's nothing too small for him. We'll talk about it a little later. But there would be given life to a little fish that was laying there with his gills pulled out and his stomach pulled through its mouth. And Brother Branham said, why would God do this? Why would he use his power when there's many, uh, many other greater needs that are out there, even, even spastic children and whatever, yet God would use his power. And he said he did it to show us that he cares even for the small things. So there again, God cares for the smallest thing in your life, the smallest detail. Yes, he Every need. This is a God who cares. Now, these scriptures is one that lays before us all. And I'm just going to tell you, it challenges our faith. It challenges our faith to new heights. The scripture that I read are, are mountains in themselves. Amen. They're mountains in themselves. These scriptures. Amen. That anything that you would say, this is a big mountain. This is a great hill to to conquer. Are you with me? To possess. But I want you to say, I want to say to you, it's not the United States saying it's yours, it's God saying. This is your promise. This is your word. This is your message. This is your day. This is your hour, your visitation. This is your moment. Scriptures are hills that look too big to possess, to hold on to, to control, to, 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 to take hold of. And yet, faith as a grain of mustard seed is all that is needed to conquer any mountain. 
faith is a, a powerful gift of God and and every born again believer, can I say it again? Every born again believer has faith. For without it, you cannot please God. Amen. You can't even come to God unless you believe. Amen. And using the tiny mustard seed as an example, Jesus illustrates the omnipotent power of God when unleashed in those who believe. If I can just get you to believe it, nothing will stand before your prayer. Amen. Now, the power of the new ministry, as we call the third pull, which we know Brother Brandon would tell us later on, it was the opening of those seven seals, the revealing of the mysteries. But this was shown to him as he pondered on the scripture, and God would teach him while he was out squirrel hunting one day, the meaning of the scripture, because he himself looked at it as a mountain, you know, that was out of reach. It was, you know, he could never, he could never attain to that. And yet he had seen great miracles and seen great signs and had great healings and had great gifts and was gifted even above all the other ministries of his generation. Amen. As God would vindicate him as the seventh angel the messenger to the last church age. But yet, yet himself would look at this mountain and say, it's not conquerable. Let me just, let me just read it, some of it to you as, as he would contemplate. In Mark 11, 24, we're just going to put the scripture before you and just hold it up there for me just for a little bit. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you... What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Amen. Amen. These are great words. And yet, Brother Branham, his heart had been stirred from the vision of the third pull that I preached about last Sunday. And, And he was contemplating upon that ministry and wondering, you know, how it would be implemented and how it would work. And he just scooted down, he said, under a tree just to, you know, crouch down trying to get warm. And the scripture came to him again and said, whatsoever thing, whatsoever you say, believe that what you say shall come to pass and you can have what you say. And I thought, why does that scripture keep coming to me when I can't preach on it? Now, here was a sermon, he said, I mean, a, a, a scripture, he said, I can't even preach on this. This is out of my grasp. This is, this is you know, I, I really can't even minister on this. He says, because I don't know nothing about it. I could not go before a congregation and try to explain that scripture. And he said, I sat there a little bit, and I said, there's only one thing to it. If I'm ever called to preach on it. He said, here's what I'll do. I'll say, Jesus told that to the disciples and gave them that authority. And that was a year and six months before the atonement was made. So if it wasn't in the atonement, it was on the other side of the atonement. So he says, I just tell him, it wasn't even in the atonement. It was before the atonement. So, you know, you know, it's not even for us. 
And he said, so if anybody ever asks me that question, I'll just tell them it was on the other side of the atonement. It's the only thing I know because Jesus was still living and the atonement was not made and he was not wounded for our transgressions nor by his stripes were we healed yet. So he gave them the power on the other side of the atonement. And all of a sudden somebody, something spoke to me. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad when our thoughts are going the wrong direction? When we're filled with doubt and fear and unbelief that something can speak to our hearts and turn us around? Amen. And all of a sudden, something spoke to me and said, what about the prophets? Well, I began to see then. It began to unfold to me. What do you think you... What do you think that taking place in the meeting when you're standing there? Do you think you're one who knows those people? Do you think that it's you that can predict and say those things that you're going to do a a certain, certain thing and a certain, certain thing has happened to you and a certain, certain thing will happen to you? Do you think that's you saying it? Oh, my. It means so much to me. It's never left me. So he was asked, you think that was you? You think it's you that, that's, that foretold these things and used your voice to speak and, and discern the hearts? I was listening to, you know, or just read something of Brother Branham's this week where that he, he, he stopped for a moment and called a, a lady out in, a, in, in the audience and he said, you right there. He says, you know, he said, already told you said, uh, you, you know, you, you, uh, you have been seen having a baby. You're going to have that baby. Just go on and keep believing. Amen. You know, here sometimes the vision delays and we get to wonder, will it ever happen? Will it happen to me? Can it happen to me? But I tell you what, just keep on going. You're going to walk right into that prophecy. You're going to walk right into that work. Sometimes I wonder, will this bride ever bring forth? Will she ever have a rapture? Will the promised son ever come back? But keep on walking. Keep on believing. Keep on claiming that promise. He'll come back just like he said he'd come back. I said, I thought, surely not, Lord, this is you. Well, what do you think? Do you think it's you talking? No. Do you think it was the prophets talking? Had not you just got through speaking on the subject that the prophets were so anointed with the Holy Spirit that it wasn't them that done the speaking, it was the Holy Spirit in them crying out? Then whatever you say, if you're anointed, wouldn't be you saying it. It would be the Holy Spirit saying it. And I thought, well, if that may, that's right. If the person through the atonement, now he's bringing it to the atonement. Now if the person through the atonement sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ can live in such a sphere with God so close that he can be wrapped so completely in God by the blood of Jesus that it wouldn't be him talking. It would be the Holy Spirit speaking these things. Hallelujah. And no more than he said that. No more than he said, and no more than I said that, 
the anointing of the Holy Spirit struck me like I've never had in my life. Amen. The, the moment he agreed, the moment his thoughts turned, yeah. that it's in the atonement, yeah. that it's God's promise, yeah. and that it belongs to us, yeah. that's the moment that super anointing came upon him. Yeah. Amen. And said, now this is the beginning of your new ministry. Now ask what you will and it shall be given to you. Hallelujah. Amen. This is the beginning of your third pull, the third phase. This is what is in the opening of the word. This is what lays in the power of this message. It's the power of creation. Working through human beings, sons of God, led by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Amen. You see, when he said that, it created an atmosphere of faith. And the anointing came to the faith. Now, I want you to get this for a moment. Remember... Even it was Hetty Wright that said the right thing. Is that right? She was sitting there again. Let's just tell the story. She, you know, we're kind of jumping ahead of, of, of where we are right here in this quote with Brother Branham where he's talking about this, this anointing came. When I was thinking, because from there, he would begin to say, let a squirrel come there. Let a squirrel come over here. Let another one come over in this sycamore tree and... And he would speak them, and they would appear where he told them. And there he would, he would shoot each one of them as his game that day, showing he's Jehovah Jireh. I know, I know this may sound far-fetched to some, but I'm going to tell you something. They just don't know our God. They don't know his ability. They don't know what his power is. Are you with me? The atmosphere there, the moment, the moment that the atmosphere changed, the moment he began to say the right things, the moment he moved away from unbelief, the moment he began to profess what God's word was and the truth of it, then an anointing came. Now, he would have this experience there of the squirrels, and then he would be recounting it later to the Wright family sitting around the table, and he was just telling, you know, there was no squirrels. It was a windy day, and we hadn't seen a squirrel, and here this this was happening, and I just sat down, and this scripture came to me, and he said, all I could know it to be is Jehovah Jireh. Well, we all know what Jehovah Jireh is, right? Amen. That's where that Abraham was there on a mountain one day. And he was told to sacrifice his son. And his son knew the the order of worship. Said, here's the wood and here's the fire, but where is the sacrifice? He had been to church before. He knew what was required. Amen. So here here then, and and he said, here Abraham there at the base of the mountain says, my son... God will provide for himself a sacrifice. Amen. He spoke into existence the ram that would be caught there. 
that would be caught by his horns in the thicket. Amen. Before, oh my, listen, he was portraying something. He was portraying the very, the, the, through, through Abraham, you know, God don't believe in human sacrifices like that for us to sacrifice our kids. But yet he told, he told uh, uh, Abraham, sacrifice your son, your only son. And he said, Abraham stood there and he didn't know how it was going to be done. But he said, I and the lad will return. Amen. We're going up there to sacrifice, but I and the lad will return. He didn't know how it was going to be done. He just knew God would do what he said. He had to keep his promise. There ought to be some of us today say, God, we just know this. You're going to keep your promise. You have never lied one time. You cannot fail. It's impossible for you to lie. You're going to do what you said you would do, and I'm going to believe it with all of my heart. Amen. You got to believe in like that thing. You start creating an atmosphere, and things start happening. Things that come out of your mouth that will materialize. But Hattie Wright sitting there listening to all of that, a little woman there, a little poor lady, a widow woman, two sons that were unbelievers snickering over there in the corner, kind of snickering and laughing about what was being said. And when she heard those words, it's nothing. The only thing I know it could be is Jehovah Jireh. And she responded back and she said, that's nothing but the truth. You know, church, it's important that you respond. Amen. It's important that you don't just sit there as a Baptist or Methodist and just sit there in a a dead condition, but you respond when the word is preached. You respond and you say, amen, that's for me. That's my promise. That's my word. That's the way God will act on your behalf. That's the way to bring him to you. And there, Hattie Wright, she said the right thing. And she said, it's nothing but the truth. He said, no more. She said that. The words, the words flew right past me. He said, and like a wind flowed through my ear. And he said, that super anointing came down. And when he said, he said, then I, I give you then whatever you desire. Just say what it is. So I don't even know what to say, Brother Branham. So, well, you got a crippled sister sitting there. You're poor. You need a million dollars. You can ask for anything. Just ask it, and God will give it. But God knew what she would ask. Amen. She didn't ask for something temporal. She asked for something eternal. She's looked and said, Brother Bradham, the only thing I can think of that I need is the salvation of my two boys. Hallelujah. And under that atmosphere, they came weeping their way to Calvary. Amen. Because of her attitude toward the promise. And her attitude created an atmosphere. And that atmosphere was a super anointing that they could not resist, that they could not turn down. But they come weeping their way to Calvary. Hallelujah. 
Brother Branham would talk about the Woods Brothers. Another time where this super anointing came down. He's sitting out there fishing. Notice just common things, fishing. And there he was fishing, and as he did, Lyle had on too big a hook. They've been using these fish for bait. You take them and catch them and cut them up and put them on a trot line or whatever. And he got that one up. Why, you know, it had swallowed hook and all, and he just pulled it out and pulled the entrails right through its mouth and throwed it back in the water and said, well, little fishy, you shot your last wad. And you know what took place? It laid there for 30 minutes floating around. And then all of a sudden, Brother Brandon was, was told, the Holy Spirit come whipping down and said, say that, give that fishy back its life. He said, little fishy, I give you your life in the name of Jesus Christ. And down through the water, it just flipped over and down in the water it went. But they had created an atmosphere on the day before. And this is what had happened. That they had been there and they, these boys were former Jehovah's Witness. And they had been converted and baptized into the faith. And there was um, a lady, you know, not far from there. And they were talking about her, an old sister that was a church of God lady. In other words, she was Pentecostal. She believed in holiness. She believed in the power of God. And she believed in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And, uh, and, but yet they were Jehovah's Witness. They didn't even believe that Jesus was God. That maybe he was a minor God, under God. That he was, you know, in, you know just our elder brother-like. And, and um, you know, said, they got to thinking about her, how that she always treated them so nice. And, and even though they were Jehovah's Witness boys and they didn't believe alike at all, and she would feed them a slice of homemade bread and butter and, Belong to the church of God. And, and so Banks said, Lyle, we ought to go down. We ought to go up there and tell her we got saved. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Amen. We ought to tell her the atonement works. There's power in it. That can take Jehovah Witness boys and fill them with the Holy Ghost. Set them on fire with the glory of God. Amen. We, we ought to go tell them. We ought to go let her know he's, he's not a minor God. He's the almighty God. We ought to tell her we now believe the blood works. It saves and it heals and it delivers. Hallelujah. Amen. And that calls uh, saying, he said, they said the right thing. And when they did, the Holy Spirit swept down and said, in 24 hours, you're going to see the resurrection of a little small animal. And just within 24 hours, the fishy came to life. That's too incredible, Brother Tim. We can't believe something like that. Well, how are you ever going to believe that the dead in Christ for 2,000 years is going to raise? That you can't even find a pile of ashes on. How are you going to believe that 
for 2,000 from every church age, they'll rise. How, how, how do you believe there's a heaven? How do you believe that there's, there's a, a real God? Come on. And then the one who made the fish is able to recreate, put it all back in place again. Amen. Come on now. Let me bring it down to you. The one who made you, he's certainly able to heal you. Whatever your condition is, amen, he can give you a new heart. He can give you new lungs. Amen. He can cause you to walk again. He can clear that bloodstream of that cancer. This God is a mighty God. He's the almighty God. And if he cares about the small things, how much more does he care about you? If his eye is on the sparrow, he watches over you. No matter how insignificant you feel this morning or how downtrodden you feel or how, how everybody you think looks down on you and how complex you are, this God is a God that cares about every one of you. We ought to tell him the atonement works. Amen. You want to bring God's presence around. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. You ought to tell somebody how you got saved. Amen. You got to tell them how the blood worked, how it cleansed you from sin, how it made a new creature out of you. You ought to tell them that he still heals, that he still delivers, that he sets on fire with the Holy Ghost. You ought to tell them of a living God, a God that's real. Alive, a God that's living, that's present here with us today. For He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother Branham said, You know, there's just certain things we can say that takes a hold with the Holy Spirit, just certain things that pleases him just right. And when we say that thing, I want you to notice what you say, if we could just find what to say. Your words judge you, your words condemn you, or your words will bless you. I wonder how many condemning words you've spoke on yourself. Amen. Amen. Taking the devil's lie and believing that rather than God's truth. Amen. If you've been forgiven, you're forgiven. Amen. Quit dragging that complex around you. Amen. Well, you say people forget people. Amen. What did God say? Amen. Who is he that condemneth? It's God that justified us. It's God that spoke for you. So I carry that around the rest of your life like a monkey on your back. Time to get rid of the monkey. The blood of Christ cleanses from all sins. Brother Branham continues to say, and you can listen to all this in the sermon, My New Ministry, 59, 11, 15. He said, Banks must have said something right. Must have said the right thing. For no more than he said that. I was sitting back in the back of the boat fishing 
fly line for a little bluegill to be put on the line for bait. We'd run out of bait, and I was catching these little fish and put them in a bucket for the trot line. And when Banks said that, all of a sudden, something struck me. He said the right thing, and the Holy Spirit spoke out and said, Thus saith the Lord. You'll find in the next few hours, there'll be the resurrection of a little animal. And then he spoke about the same thing with Hattie Wright. You said the right thing. And he said, I heard her voice as it swept from my ears like, into the, like up into the woods. And he said, tell her to ask whatever she will. And you speak it by this gift into existence. Whatever she asks, speak it into existence. Then in his prayer, now, now you said, but that's the prophet speaking. That's the way he was gifted. I want to share this little quotation with you in, in, further on down in his prayer. And he says, let's pray now, Lord, we stand here as your servants. We stand before your people. We're, we're here. We don't know what you'll do. You might speak with tongues. You might interpret. You might give a vision. You might cause me to take someone's hand for revelation. You might speak and give authority to say whatever you will. I don't know what you're going to do, Lord. And maybe you want us to lay hands on the sick. We don't know what it is. We're just wanting to please you, Lord. We're standing here as your servants, and these are your people, and we're trying to help them according to you. What your word says to do, we're trying to follow your instructions. And I pray thee, Lord, you'll give to us that what we need to minister to the people through Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Now, every one of you, not only ministers, but all of you ought to pray for these people. You don't know what God might do for you while you're praying for somebody else. What if you would say the right thing? Here's a woman standing here that's so sick they have to hold her up. What if your prayer would be the right thing? Like Banks said the right thing. Like Hattie said the right thing. What if you would say the right thing and your prayer would cause God to come down and do something? Amen. This is not just one person. This is the church of the living God. Hallelujah. It's not just one person. This is for the church of the living God. Hallelujah. You see, your attitude, your attitude is so important when it comes toward the promise. And even then, what would you do if the power was given to you? What if the power, the power of spoken word, the power of speaking into or out of existence? You know, do do you know Moses spoke into existence and he also would speak out of existence? Come on. He would speak of flies, let flies come. And flies was created. 
Somebody help me preach. I know we stumble over, well, you know, squirrels, what's, what is that being created? A little fish? Ha, <laughs> ha. Go back to Moses. We're not talking about creating a, a squirrel. We're talking about creating flies. Is that right? Amen. There he would strike the dust and say, let flies come. And the creator would use his lips under the atonement of blood of bulls and goats. And if it's got that kind of power there in the word under that atonement, how much more powerful is the word under the atonement of the blood of Jesus Christ? But it's your attitude. You know, what, what if power is given to your hands? What if power, you know, people want power. They want power. Even today, you hear some of them want power to be able to bind somebody, cast them into darkness. Why do you want that power? What kind of spirit are you anyway? Amen. We hear things. God loves to damn people. Why would God ever want to damn anybody? God so loved the world. Amen. He, he was not willing that any should perish. Amen. That's not the heart of God. The heart of God is to, to whosoever will. Whosoever will. Whosoever will, let him come. Let him drink of the water of life freely. This is God's desire. Oh, my. But, you know, we become so arrogant. Wow, you know, we're the greatest thing that ever happened to humanity. And, you know, we're all going to heaven. Everybody else, we could care less if they go to hell. What an attitude. We ought to have a burden in our hearts. The prophet of God told us a real Holy Ghost experience to make you sigh and cry for the abominations that's done in the city. But he said, the Holy Spirit spoke to him, pulled him aside after this was given to him, this new ministry, and it was given to him. And he says, he, he, he's going to be tested now on how he's going to use the power given to him. And so, he is told that there's a trap set for you. And be careful of what you say. And he said um, that there, there he, he had heard the word of the Lord and he spoke to the brothers that thus said the Lord, there's a trap set for me and all you pray that I'll know to do the right thing when it comes to pass. And he said, when that night, the next night it happened, the devil sent in two people, a young boy and a girl to break up the meeting. It was in Vermont. And he said, I started preaching, and there he began to do immoral acts right in the pew, right in front, distracting everybody around and causing a scene. He grabbed this girl, threw her head back, climbed on top of her, kissed her, carrying on, acting awful in the meeting. The ushers couldn't make him be quiet. And he said, he stood there, and I said, young man, don't, don't do that. You're, you're attracting the attention while I'm preaching. And he just laughed right out at me. And I thought, oh, there it is. There's the trap. 
There's a trap set for me right there. I just went on speaking just the same. And I said, don't do that, sir, please. If you want to make love that young lady, you leave the building. This is a religious meeting. You shouldn't do that. Please don't do that while I'm preaching. And I started back uh, preaching again, and he just made it worse again. And he said, I stood there. He said, the perspiration was just running from me. As I stood there, he was in that dilemma, what do I do? And he said, something said, just say blindness. And it'll be blind. Just say death and they'll pack them out. And he said, you know, say what you will. And he said, I I couldn't even speak. I stood there not knowing what to say. And yet he's, he's told, say blind. They'll walk out of here blind. Had to be led out of here. Say, 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 say dead, and they'll die right there. And he said, I stood there for a moment. Those who watched him, they said, Brother Branham was rocking back and forth like this, like indecision, what to do, what to say, how to react in this situation. And he says, before I knew what I was saying, I said, I forgive you of your act. said, God was given an action to cause a reaction. And he said, it was revealed to me that night. I said the right thing. Amen. I knew it was all leading to something. But what was it? What was it to do? He said, you got to watch a divine gift. What you do with it. Remember what Moses did. So I must say the right, must have said the right thing. I forgive you. You know, John, a young John wanted to burn Samaria up one time because they wouldn't feed him. And Jesus said, you don't know what kind of spirit you're of. The Son of Man came to save life, not to destroy it. And the scripture just kept pouring over me all night, and I didn't sleep. But there was a trap set that Satan would get me all worked up and then make me say the wrong thing. But the Holy Spirit was there and told me beforehand to be careful what I said. Oh, the goodness of God. It was just his mercy. Be careful what you said. And from then on, there was a relief came. Hallelujah. The Spirit of God would then sweep through the building as mercy was given. Amen. And then God loves to damn people. God doesn't love to damn people. It's man's carnal nature that wants to damn people. Well, we've got the power to bind and loose, you know. They don't see the truth. We can just damn them. What kind of spirit would that be? Amen. Oh, no. We, we, you know, if they don't believe, you know, they can't accept it. Well, well friends, it's still not our right to damn them. Amen. It's our, it's, our, it's our duty to keep reaching out, keep believing. You know why? Because God is a God of first chances, second chances, third chances, fourth chances, fifth chances. This is a God that I never give up on any predestinated seed. And if you're here this morning, you are here because God will never, 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 never give up. He'll reach down into hell 
believer that is down there lost in sin. This God is a God who will reach further down than what you can look up. Because why? He's a God of grace, a God of mercy, because that's what's in the atonement. When the word is applied correctly, it won't be damning people. It'll be saving people. Man stated one time he tried to get a brother to see the light and couldn't see, get him to agree. So, well, we got the authority to bind him and cast him into outer darkness. I just cast him into outer darkness. Brother, that ain't the spirit of Christ. And that's not third pull believing. That's not what this message produces. That is produced by unborn again men. Share a little quote with you that I want you to lift, get down on your fifth rib, way down deep in your heart. Third rib, fifth rib, I don't care as long as it gets to the heart. But I want you to listen. This is a great commission. The Brother Brandon spoke this. He says, if I have found grace in your sight through God, you take my word for this, brethren. If you want to be a blessing, get a blessing. When a man has done you wrong, and he is absolutely justly, I mean, he has done you wrong, and you know he's done you wrong. He's done you evil. Don't mention that. You just take him to prayer before God. And don't take it in just a way of selfish and say, well, I'm supposed to do this. But stand shoulder to shoulder to his shoulder and stand in the presence of God our Father the way a prayer should be made in the presence of God and say, Father, here's my brother. And he's just, he deserves punishment because he's done me evil. And I don't see why he did it. And then let God go to talking to you. You go to God, make your case. Tell him what he did. Then let God go to talking to you. And you'll see maybe what that man's been through. The devil's twisted him up somewhere and caused him to do that, though he's absolutely wrong. Before you leave the throne of God, you will be feeling sorry for that man. You'll be sympathizing with that brother. And when you get back down to earth again, you'll go over that brother and shake his hand because you know what he's been through. You cannot stand with a mortal in the presence of God and condemn anybody. I don't believe. No, sir. Even if he's a rank sinner. And what about a brother that's made a mistake? Though I say he's wrong, sometimes he's accused wrong when he's not wrong. But if he's wrong, well, it will take him to the throne of God, stand there shoulder to shoulder with our brother, knowing he's immortal. And listen this, maybe, maybe his destination rests Upon our attitude.
attitude towards him. When we come back from the throne of God, we'll realize that we're everyone guilty and we all need help one from the other. And the best way to do is pray. Our attitude. Our attitude. And he says, because we're everyone guilty. And this is what he said about that couple. I may not have done that. I may have not done immoral acts in church. But I've also done wrong. And God gave me grace and forgiveness. The unveiling of God, Brother Branham says, you have to know these words and things. Look at Hattie Wright that time and when the third pull, you remember it. Of everything the woman said, the right thing. You got to say that right word, the thing, the right thing to God. And the message I have heard and now I see, little Hattie sitting back there said, Brother Branham, that's nothing but the truth. She said the right thing. And when she said that, the Holy Spirit dropped down over in that channel again. And every one of them felt it. And I raised up and said, Sister Hattie, thus saith the Lord, you've said the right word like the Syrophoenician woman said. Now, wait a minute. What did the Syrophoenician woman say? Well, you remember? She came crying after Jesus, saying, saying, uh, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. And she kept crying at him, and Jesus kept ignoring her. And he, and he just kept walking away and kept going on. You know, sometimes he'll do that. You go to crying out, and he'll just keep walking on. Well, I tell you, don't give up. Be perseverant. Amen. He's just testing you to see what you're going to do. How are you going to react to this? You're going to get embittered and then give up on the promise and it ain't even for me and walk away. You'll blow every opportunity you've got doing that way. The grace that's being given. But anyway, he said, he said to the woman, finally, they said, Master, will you just get her to shut up? Now, I'm putting that in Southern. You don't know Southern. Well, that might have been a little bit brisk for you, but that's Southern. Will you just get her to shut up? And Jesus turned to her and said, you're not of my race. I was sent to the Jews. You're calling me son of David. You're calling on me as if you were a Jew. You're, you know, it's not right to give the children's bread to dogs. Gentiles. It ain't for you. And she said, but Lord, oh now. Amen. Now she's approaching him. But Lord. He wasn't son of David to her, but he was Lord. But Lord, even the dogs 
leader in the city. Amen. Call me a drug head or an alcoholic. Call me whatever. Call me a prostitute. Call me whatever I am. Call me that. Say You know, healing, deliverance ain't even for those like that. But if you'll approach him as Lord, though you're a prostitute, though you're a sinner, though you're a drug head, amen, if you approach him in a humble way and humble yourself down and say, Lord, but all I'm asking for is a crumb. Amen. I'm not asking for the full plate. I just want a crumb today. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil, and I need that crumb to deliver her. That God is still the same God of deliverance today. He's just waiting for you to take the right attitude toward the promise. For when it does, the super anointing will come down and change your situation forever. Oh, that this church would come down to the right atmosphere to the right attitude toward the promise. We get so far away from it in Laodicea today. Days of miracles are past. God doesn't heal no more. It only happened in the prophet's ministry. We make God a historical God of the past. Are you with me? Amen. But if we could come back to the attitude of believing again, that he's a present-day God, not a past-tense God, but a God that's real today. Amen. When you come to that, it'll bring a super anointing. Amen. That, that if we could get in that right attitude, we look at the word and say, he's still Jehovah Jireh. He's still provided a lamb. And there's still a lamb provided. Oh, those that want to say he's no more lamb today. He's past that. It's over with. They can't say he's Jehovah Jireh. Because Jehovah Jireh provides a lamb. So they can't say he's Jehovah Jireh. But I'm talking to a group of people today that knows he is Jehovah Jireh. He's the God of the resurrection. He's the God of power, the God of glory. Amen. The God that will provide for every need that you have. Because he's still Jehovah Jireh. He will provide a lamb. If you need healing, we got a lamb. If you need salvation, we got a lamb. Oh, hallelujah. We need deliverance from for your child. That's grievously best of a devil. I'll tell you right now. He's Jehovah Jireh to provide that sacrifice, to provide that atonement. He is the same in every detail. He is here among us today. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. If you're sick, he provides the lamb. If you're blind, he provides the lamb. If you got cancer, he provides the lamb. He's still God. Amen. We still ought to be a people. We ought to still be a people that it means something. Amen. It means something. We can say, let's go tell them I got saved. In the house. Let's go tell them the Holy Ghost is still real. Let's go tell somebody. Let's go tell everybody.
we get the right attitude, it starts moving the heart of God. When it moves off of your selfishness, a big me and little you, and we're the bride and everything revolves around us. Let me tell you something, it all revolves around him. It's not about her, it's about him. He can provide the impossible. He's still God. The word cannot lie. Amen. And you know, he's still, he is, he is the mercy seat. Somebody help me preach. And because he's the mercy seat, amen, there ain't nobody can cast you out. Some ain't no preacher that can kick you out of the bride because they don't see eye to eye with you. Come on! Because as long as he's the seat of mercy, instead of preachers and men with agendas, are you with me? And he's the seat of mercy. He said, Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Hallelujah. I won't damn you. If you come to me, I will in no wise, no wise, no wise cast you out. Somebody with me? When the church gets that attitude, that brings a super anointing. That's when children weep their way to Calvary. When that atmosphere gets in the church, snickering, rebellious, teenage boys weep their way to Calvary. Amen. Resurrection life takes place when we get the right attitude. When we get the right attitude, come on. Amen. Things are created. Things are happening. Oh. We probably don't need squirrels this morning. You might need a new bloodstream. Well, that cancer's in your bloodstream. That takes creation. You might need a new bowels. Where the trouble's in your bowels. It doesn't matter where the trouble is. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. I don't care how wayward, listen, I don't care how wayward that boy or that girl is. I don't care what the devil, listen, the devil did it to, to, to the woman at the well until that he, he, he must have knew there was something in her because he just kept covering her up with every kind of blackness and sin. Amen. Until over that predestinated seed was layer after layer after layer, marriage after marriage after marriage, then she couldn't get satisfied. Come on. Amen. She'd had six men, but one day she got in the presence of the seventh one. And in the presence of that seventh one, amen, he began to discern her heart. He found out there's something real down on the inside of her, and she responded. If you're the Messiah, you'll do these things. 
Listen. The devil thought he had won. He covered her so deep in sin that he didn't even think that the light could ever reach the seed. But she didn't, he did not take into account that this little man who was born of a virgin, that he was the day star. Anybody know what the day star is? Amen. It's not even the morning star. The day star is the sun, the light of glory itself. And when he says, let there be light, I don't care how dark and how many layers of sin has been covered over that seed. When he says, let there be light, light will reach right down into the darkest depth of sin. To quicken the life, that predestinated seed. Amen. Oh my, you know, when we begin to do that, this is what happens. It begins to create an atmosphere where a super anointing takes place, where it goes beyond. The wisdom and the ideas of man and man's possibilities and what he thinks. I remember that day in a ICU room, a waiting room. Let me pause for a moment just to tell about a personal testimony because it was real to me. But there, what, what dropped down that day in an ICU waiting room was there when my wife was, was diagnosed with a brain bleed in the emergency room of Menden Hospital. And the doctor said it's that big and it doesn't look hopeful. And packed her up and sent her to the trauma center. And there she was there in the ICU there and they were trying to treat her. And we were standing there and I became joined by my children and then, and I, I, you know, my son-in-laws were there present with me. And my, my son my, had gathered with us. And the family, as we gathered, I don't remember now every person that was there that day. I just know we were in a dire need. I just knew it was a, it was a desperate situation. I just knew it was something bigger than what I could help her with. I'm a husband, I'm a lover, I care for her, but it was something out of my hands. And I stood there in that waiting room that day. My children gathered around me, and there I began to talk to them about the diagnosis. And I said, but we are not to fear. We're believers. And believing is what we do. We believe. Amen. Now, I tell you, I had, I'd heard John Lay say that some, some years before when he was talking about his painting. And he was a, he's a painter, you know, a little bit of carpenter. He'd come to my daughter's house to do a little remodel work. And John Lay, you know, is, 
um, he's a remodeler and painter and so on. And she asked him, oh, could this be moved and that cabinet there? And he said, oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and this Minnesotan brogue, he said, yeah, uh, uh, the, yes, we can do that. That's what we do. See, he, he was a carpenter. He was a painter. Yeah, I can do that. That's what we do. And I stood there that day and, and it just come out of me. But we're believers. And we have been trained for moments just like this. All of the years of training have been training us for this moment. And we are believers and that's what we do. We believe. And as I said that, the Holy Spirit swept over me and spoke out of my mouth. She'll be there in the ICU room tonight. Tomorrow night she'll be in a regular room and the next night she'll be in her own bed at home. And it happened just the way it said. Hallelujah. What was it again? The right atmosphere. Amen. Not an atmosphere of crying and unbelief and mourning. And oh, I wish I would have, could have, should have. But in that moment of believing, professing his word, here he came. And he did the impossible. Amen. We said it and nothing was impossible to you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I remember, now remember church, this church was built on the very same thing. The very same thing. I was with Brother Gary Stanky. Listen, I'm just going to pull off. I got a lot more to preach, but I'm just going to pull off just for a minute and just remind you of what our God does and who he is and how great he is. Brother Gary Steinke got a blockage in his bowels and nothing would go through and he, he was taken to the hospital and they diagnosed it. They said, we've got to cut out a part of his bowels and reattach it over here in his side for a colonoscopy. So we put that there and they did all the surgery but his stomach wouldn't restart. I don't know what it is. There's a medical term that I can't even pronounce, but where your stomach will rotate back and forth and, and would digest the food, and it wouldn't restart. And he was unable to digest. Had been some 21 days or so without, without food. And he was dying. The doctor would tell him later, you were a dying man. Said very few live through this. But there he was there, and there had become demons that was moving into his room and they were howling at him. Now, Brother Gary is a Christian. He's a real believer. He's not, he not one of those um, hitchhikers, you know, that just ride along for a while and get off. He's a real believer. He's been here for the long haul. Amen. And there he was unable, you know, did it to digest food, was dying. And in that dying condition, demons started coming to his room and would terrorize him, you know, howling at him and threatening his life and, you know, threatening to, to destroy him. 
And he could, you know, it so terrorized him, he, he couldn't stay in the room alone anymore. And I'll tell you, when I began to hear that, I, uh, the report, the report had reached me, and I, I said, this isn't right. It's okay, you know, if God wants to take a, his servant, and he's past three score and ten, God could take him any time, and he's ready to go. I, I have no fear of him going. But devils to come and torment him? This ain't right. And I said, we can't permit that. And it just put something in me. I, I said, I'm not standing for that. I know, I know the power of the blood. I've seen it happen. I've cast out Satan too many times. I forbid him to speak. I wouldn't let him speak. I would cast him out. I've seen it happen too many times. I've seen him come bowing down before me. And, 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 and I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about him right now. I mean, I'm just, I'm just giving you a testimony of a current God, of a present-day God. Are you with me? Amen. Now, as, as I was speaking there, there, I went into the hospital room and I said, I'm not going to permit those demons to torment him. If God wants to take him, he can take him. But I'm not permitting him to be tormented. It ain't happening on my watch. I'm a shepherd. And I'm not letting wolves in howling and terrorizing the Son of God. And I walked in that hospital room with a resolve in my heart that day. A determination. There wouldn't be no devils left in that room. When I took the blood of Jesus and the sword of the Lord to him. And I walked in that room that day. Brother Gary was so weak, I could hardly hear him. I pulled up a chair beside him and began to tell me what was up on his heart and the needs for the church and, 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 and things. And, that, and, and, and this would actually give me the mandate to build this building. But as he began to talk to me, what he said began to please the Lord. And all I can tell you is here the Holy Spirit dropped down right in that hospital room because he had said the right thing. Amen. And as he was speaking there, the Holy Spirit dropped down in that room and he gave me the authority. I said, he's here and I'm here to cast that devil out this minute. And I commanded the demon to leave him. And he began eating there right within hours after that till he become a well man again. Hallelujah. Amen. Why is it? Because it's when we come to God with the right attitude, it'll bring down that super anointing. Amen. If we can get the right attitude in this church this morning, amen, begin to tell about and begin to realize what the atonement has done for us, we'll see God move in a tremendous way. Amen. Yes, sinners will weep their way to Calvary. The sick will be healed. Cancers will have to go because there is nothing that is too hard for our God. Hallelujah. Amen. There after that we saw miracle after miracle after miracle. All we'd have to do is mention a need and God provided it. 
All we just have to do is say it. Just say it. And it was in our hands. Amen. Jehovah Jireh. Until this building could be paid for. Brother Mike was telling me today, he said there's hardly enough offerings to cover the expenses of, of the electric and everything else, Brother Tim, that's coming in. I said, aren't you glad we don't have a mortgage? Aren't you glad we don't have a mortgage? He said, we're just breaking even every month. And I, and I said, aren't you glad we don't have a mortgage? He said, I'm so glad we don't have a mortgage. But God saw to it because God decided to build a church. Let all of hell want to complain about what God gave us and mock and make fun of it. But I'll tell you, God decided to build a building here. Amen. And and as as you see, because he is Jehovah Jireh. Amen. He's the provider. If you need a lamb, speak it. Amen. It shouldn't be hard to do that. The lamb already exists. But speak him into existence for your need. Amen. Amen. Call Jesus on the scene. Amen. Brother Brandon preached us a sermon. Go awake, Jesus. And he said, we've let him go to sleep within us. Wake him up. Say, Lord, I perish. We need you. Oh, if the church would begin to call on God, we need you in this service. We need you in our homes. We need you in our marriages. We need you in our children. We need you for healing. We need you for deliverance. Amen. He would call himself to Abraham, I am the almighty God. How many believes he's the almighty God? Well, let me just tell you, almighty God means, that word interpreted in the Hebrew is El Shaddai. He's the breasted God. Breast comes from the word shad in the word there. And Brother Branham would take that word. And he said, see, he is our creator. So he's both our father and our mother. Amen. Amen. He's both our father and our mother. And so he says, I am El Shaddai. Amen. I am more than enough. I want you to get it right now. He's not just enough. Amen. He is more than enough. He's more than enough for whatever need you got this morning. He's more than enough. His love is greater. His power is greater. His ability is greater. He is more than enough. He's El Shaddai, the breasted God. Brother Branham told us, he said, now, if you're born again, got the Holy Ghost, he said, then you can nurse off of that breast. No matter how weak you are, and he said it's double-breasted. One of them's the Old Testament, and the other's the New Testament. So whatever you got need of, amen, just latch on. Come on. You're his child. You say, I'm weak. Say, and he said, oh, you said, but I'm old, Brother Branham. said, I, I'm really old. He said, well, Abraham was only 100 years, was 100 years old. And God said, you know, compared to me, you're just a child. You're a baby. Amen. So old people get rid of it. I'm too old for this. 
I'm too gray-headed. I'm too ancient. It's not for me. It's all just for the young people. Get rid of that idea. You're just a baby compared to him. He is the healer of all diseases. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Amen. The elders shall I drink from me. Take from the Old and the New Testament. Amen. Take from the Old Testament. I am the Lord God that healeth all my disease, thy diseases. Come on. How many? All thy diseases. Take from the Old Testament. He was wounded for my transgressions. Oh, there's hundreds of promises laying there. He's the strength giver. He's El Shaddai. If you're weak this morning, he's El Shaddai. He's able to provide for you. But it comes when you start believing. You remember, as long as Sarah believed it was for somebody else, it never worked for her. Glory to God. Are you with me now? But when he came and turned her heart. You remember the discernment turned the heart of Sarah from unbelief to believing. That's what the message was to do for you. It was to turn your heart from unbelieving to believing. To make you start believing again. Somebody to help me now. Amen. Now, so he says, I'm El Shaddai. Drink from me. Nurse from me. Brother Brandon said, now, he offered that to the hungry Pentecostals. But they took the breast of a denomination instead. He said, but the real seed comes. I mean, it's real seed. To nurse on that breast. And in broken cisterns said, he will nurse on it until their bodies are changed. Sarah nursed on it until her body was changed. Amen. You are to nurse on the promise until your body is changed. Oh, hallelujah. He's more than enough. Everywhere I looked around this building, while we was building, I kept saying, he's more than enough. He's more than enough. Amen. When sickness come upon our sisters, our sister Lana, I said, he's more than enough. Amen. When sickness come there upon that alopecia's there, stand up, stand up, Mariah, right there. Look at that glory. A girl who had lost her glory, and God restored the glory. Amen. Why? Because I'm God. He's more than enough. He's more than enough. You got a need this morning. He's a God more than enough. Hallelujah. He can take a bald-headed girl and put hair back on it. God can restore you this morning. You've been lost in sin. He can restore you. You've been backslidden. He can restore you. You've been cold and lukewarm. He can restore you. It's springtime. It's restoration time. It's time to glorify his name. It's time that a people believe God. But those that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Stand to your feet and praise the name of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glorify his name. Amen. All of you saints, you know how to worship God. Amen. Raise your hands to him. Open up your mouth. It may be what you say. 
It may be the prayer you pray that brings him down this morning. Hallelujah. 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 This was offered to the Pentecostals, but they took the breast of denominations instead. It's offered to you this morning. Will you nurse on it? Will you take it and say he's more than enough for me this morning? For my need? For my situation? No, no, no. It ain't too far to reach where you are at. Amen. This word, this power condescends miles. It can be spoken in Jeffersonville, Indiana. And reach all the way over to Tucson and say, before the doctor's hand even touch my wife, the tumor will be gone. It don't take even being here. It just takes being in his presence. But you're here this morning. And while you're here, you can create an atmosphere. Amen. You do not, you know, if you're a sinner this morning, you don't have to remain a sinner. You can do that because of your choice. You can choose today. I spoke last Sunday. The third pull has an altar. The first part of that vision, they didn't want an altar. Didn't make the altar call. There's too interested in money. Too interested in money. So we've taken the offering. He said, when did the offering become more important than souls? But when he come to the third pull, when he come to the last part, the altar call was back again. If you don't have altar calls, you're not preaching the third pull. You're not preaching the opening of the word. With the opening of the word comes an altar call. And he said, I saw them down at the altar crying out to God and he said that's more like it that just feels right it's more like it church when we put the altar back in the right place where the atmosphere gets right in the church that's what, our, that's what produces good young people it isn't programs. It isn't theology. It ain't dry, dry, dead forms theology. Church is so dead you can't hear. A, couldn't hear. A, you can hear a pin drop on a carpeted floor. They're so dead. But that's that's not the bride. She's in love with the groom. She loves him with all her heart, with all her soul. She responds to him. Say, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. You know the Holy Spirit speaking today. Let me come back to what he said. If the person through the atonement sanctified by the blood of Jesus can live in such a sphere with God so close that he can be so wrapped so completely in God by the blood of Jesus that it wouldn't be him talking 
it would be the Holy Spirit speaking these things. I'll never forget. We was in the middle of building every dollar I could I could come up with, and God just could, kept putting it in my hands. We put toward where there would be no debt. I had a desire there wouldn't be a debt. And the brothers wanted to go to wanted to go to Japan and come to me and said, Brother Tim, we need to go to Japan. I said, Yeah. But we don't have the funds for it. We'll do somehow. Maybe we can just pull things off and just go and do without for a while or whatever. But we don't have the money. Brother George came to me and asked, Brother Tim, should I go to Japan? I said, yeah. You most certainly should go. He went by to do a little job with a man for a man. A man he had never met. said, began to talk to him about the Lord. Began to tell him how he got saved. Began to tell him what God had done for him and what God was doing. And the man responded just to nominal Christian sat up in his chair and he said you're just the man I was praying about today I'm going to sponsor your trip to Japan Brother George came back to my office he said I don't know Brother Tim it may not be $300 you know how people talk and I don't know why I said it now I just know it was said. I said, no, it won't be $300. He will give $10,000 to this church for that Japan mission. And he'll provide money for your own expenses there. And the next week he comes back in with a check for $10,000 and received another check personally without ever asking, without ever begging without ever even hinting. Do you hear me? I'm trying to tell you God is more than enough. And I'll tell you, not only was he more than enough, he just kept giving and giving and giving and giving. And right now, right now, he just gave us funds for the brothers to leave April to go on a trip and pay for their trip there and then and right on over to the Philippines for the youth camp that Brother Timothy's going to be preaching in that he would have to be sponsored for. I tell you what, God's more than enough. God cares for people. God cares for the Japanese. He wants the message spread. He cares for the Filipinos. He cares for you. Amen. It doesn't matter your situation. We're talking about a God that's more than enough. A God that is there. When you begin to say the right things, when you start having the right attitude. If you're a sinner this morning, you want to bring God to you, you begin to tell him, I'm a sinner, God, but I need you today. I can't go on in the life I'm living. I want to give my heart to you. You'll see God come on the scene for you. 
Amen. Right now, right now, the altar is open. The altar is open. Amen. Yeah, we believe in altar calls here. God still works in them. You come and ask God. God will give you what you desire. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Amen. Here's one. Is there another? Amen. Let the Holy Spirit just begin to move. Let him begin to speak to hearts. Amen. I I want us to sing that song, Brother Michael. I want us to sing that song there. Here's here's my hands. I lift them up. I lift them to be an offering of praise to you. You know what it is. Amen. Just worship God just for a moment. Take these hands now. No matter how weak you've been, for I have not the strength to praise you near enough. Just realize your need of him this morning. Laodicea said, I don't need you. I'm nothing. I am nothing. I'm just nothing without you. Without Don't you realize you'll never be anything without him? Amen. It's him that gives you everything. My voice. Here it is. Take my voice. Pour it out. Lord, use me to speak through. Let it sing. Let me be a song Let me be one that creates the right kind of atmosphere. Amen. For I am nothing. Oh, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. I am without you. Oh God. Without you. Thank you, Jesus. By him putting his Holy Spirit in you. The way you build up and do the tabernacle of the Holy Ghost. Then you'll be a living sacrifice. Amen. I am nothing without all my soul needs. God. Say, Lord, I'm coming. I'm never going to take it back again. I'm willing to surrender to you because I'm nothing without you. Oh, God. I've wasted my time. I've used it all on the wrong things. Amen. But let it now glorify all that you are Without you. Amen. Just find the place there to alter. Amen. Just go right down. My 
Let him have your voice. Let him sing the song you can speak all kinds of criticism, unbelief, doubt, criticize everybody else. But once you say, take my voice, let it sing the songs of mercy. Take my body. Let me be a real temple of the Holy Ghost. May it be broken as an offering of love. Let my own self-will, my own selfish ambitions die. Just be born anew by the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Remember, I said it would not be your prayer. I want some of you some of you Christians that really love Jesus some of you young people that really love the Lord some of you sisters that really care about lost souls I want you to come and I want you to stand around these and pray with them and kneel around them right now here they are they got needs amen that's right Amen. Here's Timmy down here. His name means honor. Timothy means honoring God. It's never honored him. But today he comes. He comes to be an offering. An offering. But here I am, Lord. Come, Jesus. Come, Jesus. Without you, Lord, we're nothing. Without you in this church, we're nothing. Without you moving in us, we're just a morgue. Without you, we're just another denomination without a name. Call ourselves none, but still a denomination. Let him move in your life now. Amen. Amen. There's nothing. I'm nothing without you. I'm nothing without you. I'm in church. We're nothing without him. Brother, we're nothing without him. Sister, we're nothing without him. We've got to have him. We've got to have him in every service. We've got to move in our family. Oh, 
to pieces. Amen. Trash forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. He that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. He's a God rich in mercy. Limitless in love. He has compassion upon the thousands. He's a God, a God who cares. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes, Lord. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 